0: We're going to go ahead and transition into our teaching time, so I'm going to invite Michael to come up, and we are going through the book of Acts, and Acts really reminds us that the gospel is for all nations, and so in keeping with the spirit of that, for these next few weeks, we're wanting to hear scripture um, in different languages besides English, so Michael is going to read for us in French and then in English.
1: Okay. Good morning. Uh, this is the Word of God. Alors les apôtres quittèrent la colline qu'on appelle Mont des Oliviers, située à environ un kilomètre de Jérusalem, et rentrèrent en ville. Dès leur arrivée, ils montèrent à l'étage supérieur de la maison où ils se tenaient d'habitude. C'étaient Pierre, Jean, Jacques et André, Philippe et Thomas. Barthélémy et Mathieu, Jacques, fils d'Alphée, Simon le Zélé, et Jude, fils de Jacques. Eux tous, donc comme on accorde, se retrouvaient souvent pour prier avec quelques femmes, avec Marie, la mère de Jésus, et avec les frères de Jésus. Un de ces jours-là, Pierre se leva au milieu des frères. Ils étaient là environ 120. « Mes frères, » dit-il, « Il fallait que Les profits de l'écriture s'accomplissent car le Saint-Esprit, par l'intermédiaire de David, a parlé à l'avance de Judas, qui a servi de guide à ceux qui ont arrêté Jésus. Cet homme était l'un des nôtres et il a eu sa part dans le service qui nous avait été confié. Avec l'argent qu'il a reçu en paiement de son crime, il a acheté un champ. Il y est tombé, La tête la première, il s'est déventré et ses intestins se sont répandus sur le sol. Tous les habitants de Jérusalem l'ont appris. C'est pourquoi ils ont appelé ce champ Akeldama, ce qui, dans leur langue, signifie le champ du sang. Or, il est écrit dans le livre de, des hommes, que sa maison reste vide et qu'elle soit privée d'habitants, et plus loin qu'un autre prenne sa charge. Nous devons donc choisir l'un de ceux qui nous ont accompagnés durant tous les temps où le Seigneur Jésus, s'il en est, le paie avec nous, depuis le moment où Jean la baptiste jusqu'à j- jour où il a été enlevé du milieu de nous. Cet homme sera ainsi avec nous un témoin de sa résurrection. En présenta deux hommes, Joseph appelé Barsaba, surnommé le Juste, et Matthias. Et l'on fit alors cette prière Toi, Seigneur, tu connais le cœur de, de tous les hommes. Désigne-toi-même celui de ces deux frères que tu as choisi pour occuper dans cette charge d'apôtre, la place que Judas a désertée, Enfin, d'aller à celle qui lui revenait. Puis il fut désigné c'est lui qui now in English. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot and Judas, the son of James, they all were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about a 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the Scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry— now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell headfirst, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field is called Hakeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, From among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who is known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, "'You, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen.' to take the place in the apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles.
0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, good morning, everybody. There we go. Pete's going to make a little adjustment for us because we're kind of spread out here a little bit, so we want to make sure that everybody can hear what's going on. How's everybody doing today? Okay, so I'm interactive. I'm interactive. So I'm going to ask questions. You're going to say words back to me. It's going to be fun. If you don't know what to say, you can always answer with the Sunday school answer, right? Everybody knows what the Sunday school answer is? Jesus. He's always right. He's always the right answer, right? So we're going to do that this morning. Just remember I'm kind of interactive that way. Um, So if you don't know who I am, how many of you don't know who I am? Oh, good. My name is Steve, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sound City. And so uh, I get the opportunity and the pleasure to uh, speak to you this morning about God's word. And so I appreciate that opportunity. Um, and hopefully we'll uh, meet each other under better circumstances sooner rather than later. And I'll actually get to see your whole face, not just your eyes, right? Maybe we'll be able to meet that way. So um, when I'm, we're going to talk this morning about Acts. And the passage was read to you this morning, both in French and English. And I love that. I I asked this morning, I said this in the earlier service, so I'll say it again and see if I'm still alone in this. Um, But I feel that after hearing the scriptures read in a different language, that English is very clunky and that these foreign languages are very beautiful and smooth. Does anybody else feel that way or am I the only one? Okay, well, now there's four of us. In the last service, it was just me, right? Now there's a few of us that think it. So I appreciate you guys. We like foreign languages better. There you go. So we're going to talk about this passage here. And when uh, I was asked to preach on this passage, I I looked at what John was preaching. He preached last week, you'll remember, on uh, Jesus giving the Great Commission you will be witnesses to me in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the ascension of Jesus and these angels appearing and telling, you know, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? The same Jesus which is taken up will come again. And then next week, Rabbi Matt's going to be here, and he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit coming and tongues of fire and miracles and, you know, thousands of people getting saved. And they said, Steve, here's the passage that you're going to preach. It's about a business meeting at church okay let 's see what's in ha- let's see what's happening here. so I read this section and I don't want you to think about it that way because that's the way I started thinking about it, and then I started thinking, well, maybe it's more like a spring being wound really tight that's about to pop but it's it's really not that either, but it's a pause, and then it got me to thinking about where we're at right now, and we're kind of on pause right uh, I mentioned uh before the there was a meme going around that says, if you answered the question in 2015, what do you see yourself doing in five years? Whatever you answered was wrong because that's not what you're doing, right? And so we're kind of in a pause ourselves. And so I got to kind of equating what they were doing here, waiting for the Holy Spirit, and what we're doing here, which can kind of seem weird and strange and just like nothing is happening. We're just kind of sitting here, like not really making any progress, and so, of course, I want to think about those things, too. And you think about uh, in the life of the world as a whole, it just seems like we're all just standing still waiting for the next thing to drop, right? We all want phase three. We didn't even know what phase three meant in January, but now we're all praying for it, hoping for it. When's phase three coming, right? And then maybe there'll be a day where there's no more phases and we can just all go back to normal. Can we see it? Is it way that? Oof, it's way out there. So as we go through this, there's some things that we can learn from these followers of Jesus as they sit in this pause, and as we sit in our own pause, what we can do um, that we can learn from them. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, though... Let's talk specifically about some big overarching themes that are in this passage that as I read through, these were questions that came to my mind. And so perhaps they came to yours as you read through because I know you all read this passage before this morning. Yeah? No? Okay, remember, interactive. These are things. You can say words. Okay, here we go. All right, so here's some overarching thought processes that came to me from the passage. Number one, what does it mean to be an apostle? What does it mean? You know, all the way through the Gospels, it's the 12 disciples. And then we get into the book of Acts and it's the 12 apostles. What does that mean? What is the difference? What is, what is happening there? And so it seems from this passage that Peter is defining an apostle as someone who has followed Jesus from the very beginning and most importantly, can testify to the fact of his resurrection. That's what the scripture says. And then in the first chapter, Luke tells us that Uh, Jesus delivered this message to the apostles that he had chosen. So there's this idea that an apostle is somebody that Jesus chose to be a witness to him and to share that gospel. And of course, in this context, too, they become the leadership. And ultimately, what we're having here is a little business meeting to to fill a, a slot in this apostleship. The second thing that came to my mind were, what are lots? How many of you know what lots are? All right, there's a few. You've done some study and you've done some... How many of you are currently using lots in your life to decide where things are going? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. So a lot in the first century was essentially two stones of the same weight and size that were different colors. Sometimes they were all the same color. If you were choosing like a multiple choice kind of situation, you might write names down on these stones or whatever, or whatever you were trying to decide. They were put in a bag or in a box or in a cup or and then just kind of spilled out. And the first one that fell out was the answer to your question. So you can think about it kind of like flipping a coin. But I, what I want us to see here is that these two guys that they're choosing between, and this is important for us to understand, is they're not choosing between good and bad or right and wrong. Both of these guys were qualified. And some uh, commentators even say that from a human standpoint, the guy with a nickname Justice would probably be the choice that we would make if we were just making the choice out of the two. But the lot falls on Matthias, and he gets chosen, and he becomes the apostle that fills Judas's spot. Notice, here's what the Bible says about, uh, about the casting of lots. In Proverbs chapter 16, the Bible says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So what you can understand that they were doing here was they were trying to discern the will of God. How do we discern the will of God? That's what they were trying to decide. And what they did was is that they went back into their tradition. How did the fathers do it? How did the the patriarchs do it and so forth? And so on the website, there's a whole list of verses. It's not an exhaustive list, just a representative list of times in the Old Testament where lots were cast for different reasons and purposes. Moses cast them, Joseph cast them, so forth. So one of the things that is interesting to me is that moving forward from this point, lots are never cast again in Scripture. We don't see that. And there's a big difference because something happens next week. Do you remember what it is? Holy Spirit. It, it sounded like, Everybody's mumbled in the Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the Holy Spirit. And when that when the Holy Spirit comes, we don't have to cast lots anymore. We're 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 relying on him and his guidance and his leadership. But that's why they cost lot cast lots. I'll get it out. And then the second the third thing is which I alluded to is how do we discern the will of God? Right? Well we discern the will of God, we just said we rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to carry us in the directions that we should go. But I want to tell you right now, and, and this is a, a big thing for me, is I want, I want to tell you and explain to you and, uh, this, is that I know what God's will for your life is. I can tell you right now exactly what God's will for your life is. God's will for your life is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his will for your life. He told us to do it. It's a commandment. It's the, the great commission. It's all of those things. That's the will of God's for your, God for your life. Now, how does that look? Well, it's just like they were talking about here earlier about service. It looks different for each and every one of us. The way that I serve and share the gospel and the way that you serve and share the gospel are probably different. So because you don't know me, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself in this area, is that I was a uh, church planter Uh, we planted a a church down in Florida before we came up here to Washington State. And uh, during that time, um, it's one of my favorite things. It's my heart, it's my passion, it's all the stuff. I love missions, missionaries. I love global missions. I love local missions. I love church planning. I love everything there is to do about telling people about Jesus Christ. That's what I love more than anything else. And so in that concept, I find myself in a lot of weird places with a lot of strange folks because we can sit around here and have a conversation about Jesus all day long in, uh, in the context of us worshiping the God that we serve. But there's a lot of people outside of our little group that don't know Christ, don't know about his, the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and don't understand the importance of it to them individually. And so for me, I like to go places where there's no gospel being taught and dive right in there and make a big noise and a bunch of mess. You may not be that way. You might like it a little easier, a little slower. You may like to do it with your service or all the things. There's all different ways to serve God and to do that. But we have to, that's the will of God. So, how do we discern that? We have the benefit of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. So, how are you going to begin to tell people about Christ? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. That's between you and God, and He'll work that out with you. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. And then the final overarching thought from this passage is understanding God's sovereignty. This is a huge topic that could be a sermon series in and of itself. But I want to simply boil it down to this. In the context of this chapter, God's sovereignty could be defined as this, is that his will, God's will, will be accomplished. Now, we can be on the easy side of that, which means that we're following along with his will, and his will gets accomplished. Or we can be on the rougher, tougher side where we're outside of his will, and his will is still accomplished. Do you follow me? So what we need to do is see where God's working, see where he's going, see what he's doing, and join in with that. And ultimately, the sovereignty of God is no matter what happens, his will is going to be realized. And that's understanding God's sovereignty in a tiny little nutshell, just scratching the surface. There's tons of other stuff that we could uh, talk about and spend a whole lot of time Dealing with those things. All right, let's get to the meat of the matter. I'm a practical guy, so I like practical sermons. I like somebody to tell me something that I can take home grab a hold of that little nugget and then work on that all week long and for the rest of my life. And so I'm gonna give you four characteristics that I see in these believers in the first century, these 120 that were uh, hanging out in this room, waiting for the Holy Spirit and what they did. And these characteristics are characteristics that we can look for in ourselves. Let me begin by saying this, that these four characteristics are not something that you can work on yourself, right? We've all heard the, the phrase, turn over a new leaf, We all know what happens when you turn over a leaf. It usually turns right back over, right? Anybody been on a diet? Right? I said earlier that I was on the Cheetos diet. I'm really on the seafood diet. You guys know what that one is, right? That's the oldest dad joke in the world. I see food, I eat it. That's the seafood diet. And so uh, we understand that our ability to change ourselves is limited, Right? But there is somebody that can change us forever and has changed us forever and will continue to do that work inside of us, and that's the Holy Spirit, and that's Christ. Because what he does is permanent. What he does is a change. So when I mention these four characteristics and I want you to begin to work on these four characteristics and think about these, don't do it in your own power. Do it in Christ. Focus on him and let him do this work in you, in you. So here's four things that I see characteristics that these folks had in this um, pause period. The first one is this, is that they were people of obedience. Uh, Jesus gave them instructions and they followed those instructions. Don't leave Jerusalem, he said, and wait for the Holy Spirit. Right there in verse number 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is where they saw Jesus ascend, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. So they obeyed him. Now, this is one of our problems as Americans. We love to do things on our own. We are independent, and we do not want to be told what to do. You know how I know that? I scroll through uh, Facebook. I heard it called this week doom scrolling. Have you ever heard of that? I the first time I heard it. There's just so much doom and gloom on Facebook. You're just doom scrolling. But I got friends that say, man, anybody that wears a mask is, is just a, a, a sheep, and they're just running away. And then I got other friends that are saying, hey, if you don't wear the mask, then you're just this awful rebel. It's, what I'm, the point that I'm making is, is that we have a tendency to be self driven, that self is the person that's in charge. What we notice here from these uh, 120 uh, followers of Christ as they go into that upper room is that they were obedient to Christ. And sometimes we don't like to hear that word, we don't like to be told to be obedient. But here he's asking us to be obedient. God is commanding us to tell others about him and God is commanding us to make disciples of others. God's commanding us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and to teach them everything that we had taught them. And so we need to be people of obedience. He instructed that us in the Great Commission and that's what we need to do, to be obedient to what he's asked us to do, even in the pause, to be obedient. It's a tough one, it's a tough one. I know some of you are struggling with it. I can see it in your eyes I can't see it in your face. Second thing, I tell jokes, most of them are bad. Y'all just laugh anyway. It makes me feel better about life. All right, second thing is they were people of prayer. They were continually united in prayer, Scripture says. Here's what the verse says exactly. They all were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, Acts 1.14. Here's what I love about I love the way this is phrased, that they were all united in prayer with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. One of the reasons that I love the way that that's phrased is because I want you to understand that we're all sitting in this lawn, having church in this big festival-type environment, 2,000-plus years after these 120 people gathered in this room praying and waiting on the Holy Spirit, Right? Here we are 2,000 plus years later doing the exact same thing, right? Waiting for Jesus to come back, right? And so notice, though, that they were continually united in prayer. Unfortunately, it's all too common in our Western American society that we have a tendency to use prayer as our last option. We wait until the very last minute, until every action that we can take has been exhausted. There's no more hope. There's no more help. There's nothing that I can possibly do. Now I'm going to go to God in prayer. And that is 100% completely backwards of what God wants you to do. What God wants you to do is in the very simple things and in the very easy things. And when the first time that problem appears is to seek him. And one of the things that we do is we only seek him when we have a problem. When was the last time that you actually stopped and sat down and prayed or went to a prayer service where just a group of people were gathered together and prayed and you just spent the whole time talking about how awesome God is in prayer? Most of the time, and there's nothing wrong with this because Jesus asks us, God asks us to bring our concerns to him. But most of the time, that's when we go to God. When we have these problems and he wants us to do that, but let's not wait till the last minute. Notice here that they were continually united in prayer. They were waiting for something to happen. Were there lots of problems? Yeah, there were tons of problems. Uh, They weren't the most popular people on the planet at the moment, right? There was people out looking for him. There was rumors going around that they had stolen the body of Jesus so that they could propagate the the resurrection. There was all kinds of troubles and problems for them. What did they spend their time talking about? They spent their time praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit and continuing in this motion. We have to fill this spot. So we need to be people that go immediately to God in prayer. That's where we start, immediately in prayer. And then live that lifestyle. Paul said uh, to the church at Thessalonica, he said, Uh, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. And you know what the cool part about prayer is? Is prayer is a conversation between you and God, which is fellowship. So when Paul says pray without ceasing, it's not just, uh, I'm gonna pray all day, every day for the rest of my life. No, it's being in that relationship and in that communion with God all the time, praying without ceasing. All right, third thing about them, third characteristic. They were people of scripture, They continued to study the Scripture. Peter quotes several passages from the Psalms to make the point that they needed to replace Jesus. Here's what the verse says, verse 16. Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the Scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So even in all of this midst, in the midst of all of this stuff that they're doing, they're praying, but they're people of the Word thinking back again about discerning the will of God, how do we hear from God? We hear from God because he has spoken to us in his word. One of the things that I love about us as a church is that we are scripture-oriented, right? In the Latin, we would say sola scriptura, right? Scripture only, Bible only. That's where we're at, right? And and what we do here in, uh, in these worship services, we go verse by verse, Chapter by chapter, book by book, through the scriptures. and the the hope there is, is that you understand that as we're teaching these things in this manner, you should be studying the scriptures all the time. As a church planner down in Florida, I used to tell my my uh, uh, the, the church down there, I used to tell them, "Hey, bring your Bibles to church every single Sunday because we're going to study the Bible." Now, back then, it was always books and paper. But now there's all kinds of ways to bring it. You can bring it on your phone. You can bring it on a tablet. You can bring it on a whatever you got going on, right? There's tons of ways to bring it, but bring the word because we're going to study it and you need to be in it. it later in the, in the book of Acts, it is uh, written about the church at Berea or the people, the followers of Jesus that were at Berea, that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily. Here's what the verse says specifically. It's from Acts 17 the people who were the people here were more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so i love that because as a teacher of the word and someone who stands up and delivers god's message whether it's in this format or in a community group format one of the things that i love about this is This helps me always remember, I remember this verse because it helps me to stay accountable to deliver the message of God's word in the truth in the context that it's in. Because if you didn't realize what it just said, he said, these folks were more noble than those because they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things which we had taught were so. Because I don't know if you know this or not, Your pastors are fallible human beings. Every single one of us, especially me. I was gonna say especially Shane, but I felt bad about it as soon as I thought about it. So I said, especially me, (laughs) especially me, right? We're fallible human beings. We make mistakes just like you make mistakes. We sin just like you sin. So you should always search the scriptures. You should be people of the word diving into the word daily, studying it, reading it, absorbing it, right? This is what we need to be, is be people of the scriptures. All right, the last characteristic that these folks had that we need to have is they were people of action. So even in the pause, they still kept going forward. So to talk just a little bit now about us being in the pause, us being in the pause. Here's what the verse says. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. And what they had done was they had carried out the business of the church. They had a uh, an opening in the leadership team, and they needed to fill it. And so they laid out all of the rec- the um, qualifications of the office they found two guys that fit those qualifications they prayed about it they cast lots Matthias was chosen and he filled it but I want you to see though there's they're continuing to move they're not just sitting idle waiting for the Holy Spirit to come they're praying they're in the scriptures and then they're also continuing to move forward so let's uh, let's do a little bit of a history lesson about uh, our merger together and if you go back to the end of 2019 when the world was bright and sunshiny and 2020 was going to be the greatest year that ever existed and would wash away all of the trouble and turmoil that we had during 2019 we were working hard the eldership of the elder teams of two churches pastors of two churches working hard to see and to understand if this was the will of God for us to come together. There was a lot of movement and action. There were meetings and there was stuff being written down and all the things that were happening. And then 2020 happened and everything kind of got on a pause. And even we as the the leadership team kind of sat around and thought, well, how can we move forward with all of this uncertainty? How are we going to do this and how are we going to do that? But we worked together, and we came up with uh, ways that we could meet and, and uh, the different church, and, and even thinking about casting lots, uh, about Martha Lake having to go through that vote and affirming what God was already doing through, the, through that vote. And all of those things still moving through the pause. But not only that, we got to see personally all of us collectively coming together and still working through the pause because we collected, I'm just thinking right off the top of my head of all of those, uh, the gift cards that we gave to the school, right? And, and all of that, the generosity that you showed, coming together to, to deliver that, all in the pause. You guys, uh, as individual people, stepping outside because you couldn't leave the house. In the beginning of this, you couldn't leave the house unless you had to leave the house. And so we all walked out into our yards and saw the neighbor across the fence and learned his or her name, right? And reached out to them and uh, learned of people in our neighborhood that were hurting or were in need and reached out to them as individual people. And we continued to work through this pause as we saw all of those things. And so we found, out, we found reaches to uh, ways to reach our communities. People finally getting to know the neighbors. Even this outdoor service that we're doing now is a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we are, uh, these speakers are are delivering the word to you so that you can hear it, we know for sure that it goes all the way down the street out into the neighborhood and they can hear it too. And so here we are. What God has done in this pause, and I I thank God for it because I think that one of the things as we look back on 2020 and how it impacted us and how it affected us, One of the things that I want you to remember, because this is something that I have understood and learned, is that for years we had these buildings and we were inside of these buildings and we got comfortable being in those buildings and even over at the high school, we got comfortable being over there and we got comfortable in what we were doing and then God said, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to let you do that for a little bit. And now you're going to have to figure something else out. And what he did was he just let us loose. He took us out of the buildings, or as we used to say, our holy huddles. And he released us on the world. The church on the move. It's what the whole book of Acts is about. What's going to happen here is this, this church that's met here at the, at the, uh, in the beginning of this book, meeting in 120 people, meeting in this upper room, are about to be unleashed on the world. And we are sitting here today because of it. But think about how history totally changed because these 120 people were obedient, they were in the scriptures, they were prayerful, and they uh, were people of action. Think about this, how history was totally changed. Everything changed because of these guys and what they did. And so when we look at ourselves in the pause and what God can do, if we can take on these characteristics, what God can do in this pause to radically change the world for his cause, to radically change the world in the, in the cause of Christ. Remember when I told you, here's the big picture. I'm a, I'm, I keep it right to it, by the way. You're not gonna be here for another 45 minutes, I'm gonna promise you. Here's the big picture. This is what I want you to grab more than anything else. These characteristics that I just talked about. Remember I told you, you can't do it in your own. You cannot do it on your own. What I want you to understand is this. The characteristics that were found in the first century followers of Jesus that we aspire to as 21st century followers of Jesus cannot be accomplished outside of Christ. He is the center point of everything. You can try and turn over a new leaf. You can try and correct your own actions. You can try and correct your behavior. And maybe even for a while, you can hold on to it and you can do a great job. But our human nature is to be totally depraved. And we are always going to return to that. We are always gonna return to that in our own power, in our own flesh. And so what we have to do is we have to rely solely and totally on Christ. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So anything that you want to do in God's kingdom that God is directing and guiding you to do, you can't do it in your own flesh. You can't do it in your own power. If you do, you're going to fail and you're going to flop on your face. But if you'll stop, let him do it. Let him change you let him lead you, let him guide you, then everything that he wants to do, according to his will, will be accomplished. Because it's not us, it's all about him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to open your word and to study it, to pray Father, we pray that you would help us to be uh, all of these things, that you would help us to be um, people of obedience, people of prayer, people of the scripture, and people of action. God, show us where you would have us serve so that we might step out and share the good news of the gospel with those that are around us. Change us, Lord, and make us more like you as a result of us having met together here in your name. And we say these things in Jesus' name, amen.